You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Hey man, I thought about Sonia, picked the song out there, Trust and Obey. I thought it went well with the message today. And as speaking of the message, if you'd turn over to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter number 4, we're going to primarily be dealing out of the book of Acts chapters 4 and 5. I do intend to make some reference back to the book of Daniel, but I don't know if we'll be able to take the time to turn over there or not. Uh, but I do want to just uh, mention too that with the song Trust and Obey, I was reminded as we were singing it that uh, that is the song that uh, we, we, had, uh, we had some friends of ours sing that song at our wedding. Trust and Obey, amen. And, uh, and that's what we've tried to do by the grace of God. But in Acts chapter number 4 this morning, I want to preach on this thought, when rebellion is right. When rebellion is right. Now, we don't associate the word rebellion with right, but I'd like to submit to you this morning, and I'd like to prove to you from the Scripture that there comes a time when rebellion is right. Notice in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 16, and let me just get you up to this point. I encourage you to read it all later. But basically, the disciples were healing. They, they had healed a man. They were doing the work of God. They were, uh, showed, they, were, they were displaying some sign gifts to the unbelieving Jews. Uh, they were doing the work of Christ. They were trying to make a difference. And as they went along doing God's work, they were called before the council. The, the governing authorities. And they were, uh, and this is what was said in verse 16, saying, what shall we do to these men? So this is inside the council. The council is discussing, what shall we do with these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to all that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. That they speak henceforth to no one in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. All right? So the, the, the governing authorities just made a decision. By the way, there's children's church for those that aren't aware. I always forget to announce that. But the, the governing authorities have made a ruling. Yeah, head on back, boys. Uh, the governing authorities made a ruling that no longer did they want these, the apostles to preach in Jesus' name. They did not want people speaking in that name any longer. How excited are they going to be to see those boys coming back? Amen. Uh, speak any longer in Jesus' name. Now, so that's what, the, that's what the governing authorities decided. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 19. But Peter... And John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. So those in authority made a decision that no longer will you preach in Jesus' name. But the apostles are saying, Well, you know what? You're telling us not to preach in Jesus' name. Jesus authority, our main authority, told us to preach in Jesus' name. So to whom are we to listen? 
And as you'll find out as we go through the rest of this book, and the fact that they're, we're here today means that they listened to Christ and not the counsel that instructed them. In other words, there, was a, there came a time to where it was right to rebel. So when is it right to rebel? Or when rebellion is right or I talk, thought about preaching about righteous rebels, righteous rebels. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the great privilege to be in church today. I thank you, dear God, for your hand that has guided each of us, dear Lord. There's not one of us that are here or that's tuning in today by accident. And I pray, dear God, that you would accomplish the purpose that you have for each of us today. Help us, dear God, to preach this message, God, from your word to show in this day this relevant message that rebellion is sometimes right. And we thank you, dear Lord, for that, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'll be referring back to several verses in the book of Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter number 5. There's so many verses I'd like to share that I'm not going to share them all this morning, but I would encourage you please to go read them, uh, the entire, uh, read the book of Acts, but read Acts 4, read Acts 5. But in Acts 5, I just want you to turn over to look at Acts chapter number 5, verse 29. So Peter, Peter and John asked the questions, you know, judge you, is it right to do what God said or what you said? But then in Acts 5, 29... The Bible says, then Peter and the other apostles answered, because what they did is they went out preaching in Jesus' name and got arrested. Then, then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. So this morning, as we think about the thought, when rebellion is right, number one, I want to say that there is a principle to rebellion. There's a principle to righteous rebellion. Now, the principle is that, what we just read, we ought to obey God rather than man. To me, this is not that difficult of a subject. It's pretty plain in the Scripture. Matthew 10, 28 says this, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. A principled rebellion, we ought to obey God rather than man. See, there's a wicked rebellion that's on display in our world today. There's a rebellion against righteousness. There's a rebellion against law and order. And I'll say more about that as we go through. And so the, the rebellion that we see today is, is, is the, the rumblings, I believe, of Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verses 1 through 3. And I think I'll flip over and read those verses here. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. In fact... In Acts 5, the apostles quoted this very verse to the authorities, and so we may read it in just a moment, but in Psalm 2, verse 1, a question is asked. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Here's the vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That's the kind of rebellion. We do not want the restrictions of righteousness upon us. We do not want law and order upon us. We want to do that which we see fit to do. And by the way, if you want to see what that, that chaos looks like, look at the French Revolution. Look at the communist revolution in Russia under, uh, under Lenin. 
uh, see what that looks like. And folks, it looks eerily familiar to that which has taken place in our uh, country today. There is a wicked rebellion. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Iniquity and idolatry. So there is a rebellion that is, uh, uh, that is unrighteous. I want to read, if you'd turn over here with me, I'd be, I'd be remiss if I did not read Romans chapter number 13, verses 1 through 7, because I just want to talk about a principled rebellion. What is the principle of this righteous rebellion? What is the principle behind a rebellion that is right? We'll see quickly what it's not, but I want to talk, talk a little bit about what it is. Romans 13, now this, so that you understand, is the verse today that many preachers are getting up and saying we should do whatever the government says. This, this is their text for that, okay? If the government says it, we ought to do it. If the law says it, here's what we ought to do. This is their text. The Bible says in verse 1 of Romans 13, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And that's not talking about hell, it's just talking about judgment. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror. This is, this is very key here, verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. The type of leadership that he's talking about here is a power, a ruler, law, and people in authority that are a terror not to good works, but to evil works. Now, does that sound like where we're at in our country today, in our world today? Is our government a terror to those who are working evil? Murder, theft, uh, you know, the, the other things that we see going on. And I've just got to say this today. I think one of the, maybe one of the scariest things that I've seen in, in recent memory for myself that's actually uh, just my heart sunk is when they removed, uh, when like they made to disappear the, uh, the, the, the videos and any footage of the, of the doctors and, the, and Dr. Stella, was that her name in particular, that was speaking about, uh, it, it, and it, I can't remember everything, I'm not going to quote it all, but the b bottom line is, you know, you say, oh, do you, do you agree 100%? I don't know, I mean, I liked what she had to say, but here's the thing, let her say it. Right? Let her say it. Let people form their own opinions. Uh, but it was just eerie to me. Seriously? She's disappeared? Not her personally, but any of her videos, anything that has gone on, that's gone? And I'm like, man, that's creepy, right? In our country, that's creepy. That's, that's what fascism is. And don't let anybody tell you this lie. I've got to get back to my notes on this. But don't anybody, let anybody tell you a lie that fascism is, is right wing. <laughs> that's one of the biggest myths. Fascism is very left wing. Uh, fascist, and so, so the, that's fascist. Um, but, but, but I digress to just simply say this. Let her say what she's going to say and then let people form their own opinions. Um, uh, but, but in general, I thought about this. And you know, it's, it's been put out there. So you can make that disappear. You can make that go away. We talked about pornography. What about that? 
What about all these accounts? What about these requests I get on Facebook from these, uh, you know, and, and by the way, you know, these, these porno, uh, pornographic sites and so forth. Oh, we, just, we can't get a handle on that, really? Really, you can't get a handle on that? How many people were trying to post and get busy posting the videos of what that doctor had to say? I mean, son, there was an all-out effort of people across social media trying to get that. I'm not making a big statement on that, but what I'm simply saying is, why can't they punish the evil? Why isn't other rhetoric? Why isn't Farrakhan and some of those guys, why aren't they banned? Why can they speak evil? The point is, verse 3 says, for rulers are not a terror to the good, but to the evil. Law is meant to be a terror to evil. Not a, the, the, the law that is blessed of God is a law that's a terror to evil works, not good works. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Okay, this is the government that God's talking about here. Do good, and you'll be praised of the government. You'll be praised of the authorities. Uh, verse 4, for he's the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. That's talking about law enforcement and so forth, and those that have the authority to pass law. If you do wrong, uh, understand government's been ordained of God. Therefore, if you go against it, uh, you're going to be punished. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. A friend of mine, his dad, you'd have to know him, but it's so funny. He said as a kid it was the funniest thing. His, his dad, if he ever got uh, pulled over by the police, as soon as the policeman would come to the window, he'd say, God bless you, sir. You're a minister of righteousness. <laughs> you know, based on these verses. Uh, and he just said it was the most annoying thing. But anyway, uh, verse 5, Wherefore you must needs be subject not only to, uh, for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, uh, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Pay your taxes, obey the laws, do right. We don't have to agree with all the laws, but we need to obey these laws, all right? Now, however, what we see... Uh, in Acts is them going against the authority, them going against the power. Why? Because the power was punishing good, and it was praising evil. They were saying, you can't preach in Jesus' name, and they said, well, that's what we're going to do anyway. I was going to say they said, well, watch this. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the attitude they have, and I want to make that point in just a moment. Okay? The principle of rebellion, okay? The principle of rebellion... Um, Whenever the divine order is inverted, whenever these rulers abuse their sacred trust by unrighteous attempts to injure, oppress, and enslave those very persons from whom alone under God their power is derived, does not humanity, does not reason, does not scripture call upon the man, the citizen, the Christian of such a community to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made them free. The apostle enjoins us to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, but surely a submission to the unrighteous ordinances of unrighteous men cannot be for the Lord's sake. For he loveth, uh, he loveth righteousness, and his countenance beholds the things that are just. And that was Reverend Jacob Duchesne. He speaking to the British Parliament during the time of the Revolution, the American Revolution. 
uh, the general institution of government was unequivocally ordained of God. So government has been unequivocally ordained by God and is not to be overthrown. Uh, God, God does not, when we talk about rebellion, we're not talking about anarchy. God did not mean, uh, that, that does not mean that God approves of every government. God had ordained government in lieu of anarchy. He, oh, he opposed anarchy, rebellion, and lawlessness, and wickedness, and wanted civil government in society. God is the one who has ordained civil government in our society. Therefore, a crucial determination in, in, uh, in, in, in thinking about this, an opposition to resist tyrannical leaders who, had, had themse who themselves rebel against God, as we see in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, we're not going to turn over there, but in, in Hebrews chapter number 11, the Bible gives us the hall of faith, the hall of fame, the heroes of the faith. And the thing we find out about these people is that these were people who made a position and they're validated by God himself in that they stood up against tyranny. People like Gideon, the authority they were under had said you can't do certain things. They, uh, Gideon rebelled, Ehud rebelled, Ehud killed Eglon, Jephthah rebelled, Samson rebelled against the Philistines, Deborah, all of these ones that were praised for their throw-off of tyrannical governments, leaders uh, that were praised by God in Hebrews 11. And so uh, I, I'm just going to share a few of these things, then I'll get into the, uh, the, the last few points here. Founding father John Dickinson, a signer of the Constitution, also affirmed that spiritual view. And by the way, I'm reading these things because it shows you this bit, there's a biblical principle that was employed in the founding of the country. And that's one of the reasons why little by little they have chipped away until finally, folks, the foundation of this country really is the Word of God. It really is. Uh, and, and, and that's why immediately, you know, just to say something that's going on in contemporary society, that's why immediately there were people trying to fight and end slavery and fought it to their death, uh, you know, including uh, John Adams uh, and others. Uh, but, but again, there were those that came in and fought against that. Thank God for those that fought and rebelled against slavery uh, the, the, in, in our country. But... Uh, Founding Father John Dickinson, he, a signer of the Constitution, said this, Kings or parliaments could not give the rights essential to happiness. We claim them from a higher source. From the King of kings and the Lord of all the earth, they are not annexed to us by parchments and seals. They are created in us by the decrees of providence, which establish the laws of our nature. They are born with us, exist with us, and cannot be taken from us by any human power without taking our lives. God has given us freedom. God has given us soul liberty. God has made us free agents. God gives authority to governments, but governments cannot take the authority from God. God is our authority. Therefore, we ought to obey God rather than man. There is a righteous such thing as being a righteous rebel. Uh, John Quincy Adams forcefully responded to the accusation that the founders were anarchists. And he says, the people of North America, 
of the North American Union and of its constitute states were associated bodies of civilized men and Christians in a state of nature, but not of anarchy. They were bound by the laws of God, which they all, and by the laws of the gospel, which nearly all, acknowledged as the rules of their conduct. So, and, and just one of the last one of these quotes I'll give you is this. In the British Parliament, Sir Richard Sutton said this, If you ask an American who is his master, he will tell you he has none nor any governor but Jesus Christ. That's the attitude. Why are you talking about the founding? Why are you, are you getting political? Are you getting historical? Uh, I guess I'm doing both a little bit, but, I, but I, I, I can't help it when I'm going across this thing of righteous rebellion because they illustrate what they were trying to do was be obedient to what they felt like God's Word said. Uh, so it's a principled rebellion. There's a principle. All rebellion isn't right. Don't any of you go out of here and just start breaking laws that government has put in place and saying it's a righteous rebellion. I remember I worked with a fella, and uh, he was, and, and I may get ahead of myself here, but I remember I, I worked with a fella. I went to church with a fella, and he was saved. He was a Christian. And he, uh, he, he would talk to people about the gospel. He would share Christ with people. That was a great thing. But he was also lazy and didn't want to work. He wasn't the manual labor type of guy. And, uh, and so uh, he started getting in trouble for not working or for witnessing to people when his whole department is, is, is falling apart. Guess what he said? I'm being persecuted for Christ. I'm, I, I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, my, my break's not from 9.30 to 9.45. God says I've got to witness to people, so I'm, I'm going to take my break until 10.30. God, should I obey God or man? When we talk about obeying God, we're talking about the Word of God. And let me tell you something about the Word of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God never get in, in, in contradiction with each other, Okay. You make sure, you make sure, understand the fallacy of this statement if you ever are tempted to say it. I know the Bible says this, but you know God spoke to my heart and told me this. The Spirit, no, a Spirit spoke to you, not the Spirit. I believe a Spirit spoke to you, but the Spirit will not speak to you contrary to the Word of God. I'm having fun this morning. I don't know if y'all are. Uh, hey, listen, a principled rebellion, the, the principle I'm trying to say is that God has ordained rules. He's ordained government. We don't go against government for the sake of going against government. And I know what some of you are thinking about me, and I'm not, we're not going to get into that right now. Um, but I believe that God has put something in the heart of man to where he yearns for freedom. He learn, yearns to make a decision, and there's a balance to it. But so there's a principle to rebellion. There's a principle to rebellion. Uh, secondly and quickly, there is a purposeful rebellion. A purposeful rebellion. Look in Acts chapter 5 with me once again, verses 30 through 32. Acts 5, 30 through 32, the Bible says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel, excuse me, and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. 
And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. I'm talking about a purpose. What was their purpose? He's, what was he doing? He was, telling these, he was telling those rulers about Christ. And he says, we are his witnesses. And we are not going to be able to be his witnesses if we don't preach in Jesus' name. Um, I remember in the Soviet Union years ago, uh, you know, uh, th there would be churches that would take, they, they would take a license and agree to, see, because it just starts with something real small. We don't want you preaching this particular doctrine. We think it's offensive in the church. So they would, some ministers would take a license and not preach that message because they wanted a license. They wanted to be able to keep their church, keep their congregation, still feel like they were doing something for God. Others said, absolutely not. You are not going to dictate to me what I can preach, what I can say. I mean, I believe that an assault on free speech is an assault on witnessing. It's an assault on the gospel. It's an, the, the assault on free speech is an assault against the Great Commission. Okay? And so there, there's those, but here's what happened. Then they, then they begin to take more and more and more. And before long, it was so restrictive. It reminds me of the, oh, I wish I could remember. I meant to look the quote up this morning. But it reminded me, I believe it was a Lutheran pastor, uh, a, a Lutheran pastor that was trying to be true to the Bible and preach the Bible in Germany. And he said, we didn't say nothing when they first began to round up the Jews because we weren't Jews. We didn't say nothing. When they begin to round up, you know, this, the, the gypsies or whatever, this other ethnic group, because we weren't gypsies. And even when they begin to round up the other Christians and so forth, but because that wasn't us. But by the time it came down to me, there was no one left to stand for me. And so a purposeful rebellion. See, folks, we have a glorious message, don't we? And by God's grace, like, the, like our forefathers that have come before us, I'm not talking about the American founders, I'm talking about those who have stayed true to the Word of God throughout the years, those that, those that went to the stake uh, the, to be burned because they would not uh, relent, because they would not quit preaching the gospel. I mean, folks, there, there was the, the, those that preached to their dying breath. Folks, by God's grace, we need to keep the life-changing message of the gospel going out. Oh, people don't like it. We're, we're even going to change B.C. to B.C.E. just in case it offends someone out there today. They change it all. But folks, we're not going to change the gospel message. By God's grace, we will preach in Jesus' name. By God's grace, we will proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, they're, they're, they're going to uh, come down on you. They're going to cite preaching against sin as hate speech. In, in many cases, it already is. But what are we going to do? We're going to still preach against sin. We're going to still, by God's grace, preach, Thus saith the Word of God. Why? Because we ought to obey God rather than man. So there's a purposeful rebellion. Let me tell you what our very, the very first motto proposed for this country was. I like this motto, but it was this. This was the motto. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. That was going to be our motto. <laughs> rebellion, a rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. Now, if you look that quote up, I encourage you to look the quote up. If you look it up, there'll be a picture of Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, uh, you know, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. But then you look a little further and you'll see a picture of Thomas Jefferson and a quote him saying, rebellion to tyranny is obedience to God. Citing them for quoting it. You know why they're cited for quoting it? Because they said it so much. 
But where did it originally come from? It's actually, the, the, I believe it's the state motto for Virginia right now. It's, it's Thomas Jefferson's seal. For the rest of his life, when he would seal a letter, uh, seal an envelope, it would have uh, TJ, rebellion to tyranny is obedience to God. Around the edge. But where did it come from? It originated from a preacher. It originated from a message that was preached by Jonathan Mayhew in 1750. And he preached a message about the, the, out of Romans chapter number 13 about rebellion to tyranny as obedience to God. And that message was published all throughout the colonies. That message was published all throughout England. That message. Uh, and, and listen, his, his sermon uh, was an immediate publishing success, uh, indeed reflecting the origins of the American Revolution. His, uh, in his retirement, John Adams credited Mayhew's sermon with helping to shape public opinion and the need and the legitimacy of political resistance. But isn't that pretty cool? What inspired uh, the Patriot Movement? What fanned that, those flames? It was a preacher getting up and preaching what I'm preaching you from the Word of God today. We ought to obey God rather than man. And so it's a purposeful rebellion. Number three, it is a prayerful rebellion. Notice chapter 4, verses 24 through 31. I'm not going to read all those verses, but basically what you'll find there in Acts chapter 4, verse 24 the Bible says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. And I'm just going to stop right there and encourage you to read the rest of it later. They prayed. I wanted to talk about Daniel this morning uh, and, his, and his fellows, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to talk about how that they resisted and then they prayed. Uh, it's a prayerful rebellion. It's a prudent rebellion, number four. It's a prudent rebellion. In other words, I want you, I, you listen to this very, very closely. It's a prudent rebellion. Here's what I mean by that. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they went to the, 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 the guy that was over them that told them that they had to eat these meats that were sacrificed to false gods and idols. And you know what they said? We'd like a request from you that we do not partake of this. We'd like, we'd like to make that request. See, they, they already had such good attitudes that they had already gained favor. You listen to me and listen to me very closely. This whole jerk, bad attitude, you know, tough guy routine, we need to have a prudent rebellion. I believe that a righteous rebellion is a prudent rebellion. In other words, we don't just fly off the handle every time, you know. I mean, we, we, so, somebody says, you know, it, uh, it's just a prudent rebellion. Tactful. Yes, tactful. Here, here's one. Tactful, prudent, not petulant. Not petulant. What's petulant mean? Petulance is, petulance means childishly sulky. Oh, I'm being persecuted so bad, I'm going to take a You don't find that in the Bible. You don't find that in the Bible. You don't find the pouty, oh, woe is me. I'm a poor old Christian. And all my rights are being taken away. You don't find that. You don't, and, you, and you don't find people, you know, by golly, I'm ready to take somebody on. Who's trying to take my rights? I'm talking about from a biblical example. You don't find that in the Bible. 
You find people? I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we're King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to your image. Um, you know, and matter of fact, they didn't tell him, they just didn't do it. Bow down. They stood there. Those three boys among thousands and tens of thousands stood as everybody else bowed down. Nebuchadnezzar said, you know what, I like you boys, I'm going to give you another chance. And they just said right then and there, Nebuchadnezzar, live forever. You know what they said? We respect you, king. They didn't say, you old, you know, perverted, wicked, vile man, we're going to stand up to you. And we, They didn't do that. They just said, you know what, we respect you as the king, and you're cool and everything, but we're going to obey God. And our God is able to deliver us from this furnace, but if not, he will deliver us from your hand, old king. They weren't jerks about it, okay? And I know that don't be, you know what sells today? You know what's getting clicks, likes, and shares, Mr. Jerk? I could get a lot more uh, traffic and shares if I was just a jerk and, 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 and insulting. You find me somebody in the Bible, and I know, you, okay, you say Elijah, good point, amen? So there may be some place for it. But my point is, overall, when you see this righteous rebellion, what you see is people that are being, even with Peter and them, don't preach in this name. Well, you know what? The Lord told us to preach in this name, so that's what we're going to do. It's, it's a prudent rebellion. Uh, I, I want to just say quickly on that, just, just give a couple examples. When we were in Pierre, we were going to have a tent revival out in the park. So I had to go to city council and, and say, uh, hey, just want to, want to get your approval. We're wanting to set up a tent in the park and have a revival. Listen closely to this. And they said, uh, well, I don't think that we can do that because we can't be seen as sponsoring a religion. Well, it's true that they cannot. The government is not to become a sponsor of a certain church. Uh, so I'm like, well, no, so I'm not asking you to. I'm just asking you to, because here's the thing. Every year they'd have a Lewis and Clark festival, they had set up tents out there. They weren't preaching under the tents. They were, you know, peddling stuff and whatever, having cool little booths and whatnot. Here's the thing. Our Constitution states that, we, that, that there's not going to be any law that can be made against us, either the establishment of religion and so forth, and our practice and our freedom of speech. And so what did you do? I didn't say, you bunch of heathens. I know you're just against the gospel. And I know, I wish I preached like that more, amen, but not that mad, but just that voice, okay? But anyway, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to show you and the fire of God's going to rain down and I'm getting, the, I'm getting my lawyers up here and we're going to sue you to high heaven. I'm going to bankrupt this town. I just simply said, sir, ma'am, I understand that you're, you're confusion. I said, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to have an attorney get in touch with you and just show you why constitutionally we do have a right and it is okay for you. You can let us have a meeting out in the park without worrying about being sued. And that's what we did. It goes to this same example, same job, same work I talked about earlier. We'd, 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 we'd give people tracts and invite people to church at work. Well, people started coming around and they said, well, you can't do that. Don't do that in here. Why? They were smart about it. Because we're a no-union company. Therefore, our policy does not allow for people to bring in things from the outside and distribute them to people inside. To share any materials or, or papers, we just don't allow that to happen. They were smart. But they weren't smart enough. You know why? Because they were lying. They weren't lying. That was, a, that was their principle. But here's the thing. Granny could bring out in her flowers from outside for uh, the cookie sale. 
You know, other people could bring other stuff in for other secular stuff that was going on. Here's the thing. Understand, you listen to this, students. You listen to this, adults. You, it is illegal. Listen to me. It is illegal for someone to say, you cannot bring that in here because you're a Christian. You cannot bring your Bible into school. Why? Mein Kampf is in the school library. And I can't bring the Bible to school. Yes, you can bring the Bible to school. Yes, you can talk about Christ at work. Do it on your breaks. Do it before work, after work, if you must. But, so, so I, just, I just simply went to HR, and I said, uh, you know, I said, well, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do. And I said, and here's what I said. We will gladly, because listen, we will gladly quit bringing in literature from outside if it's enforced across the board. See, their rule as a private company was no material from outside. If they enforce that rule across the board, guess what we're supposed to do? Respect that rule. I'm not bringing my tracks in there. I'm not bringing in my church invitations if nobody else can bring anything else in because they're not infringing upon my right as a Christian. They're just simply saying, we do not want material from outside. That's their right. You understand what I'm saying? And so I went to her and I said, we will gladly do it. I said, but we just want to see it done across the board. What'd they do? They let us keep doing it. Didn't have to be mean, didn't have to be ugly, didn't have to get mad, just had to reason. And so a prudent rebellion, a powerful rebellion. Um, th those that were mentioned in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter number 11 we mentioned, a persuasive rebellion, a rebellion that makes a difference. What's the motive behind your rebellion? There is a time to have a righteous rebellion. Now, in the little bit of time that I've had this morning, I have not said everything there is to say about rebellion. Because some of you are sitting there saying, yeah, but preacher, this rebellion's wrong, that rebellion's wrong. This has not been an, an exegesis of this is not, a, this is not my, uh, my thesis on rebellion. This is just a short message trying to show you that biblically speaking, there is a wicked rebellion, but there's also a righteous rebellion. It, it, it's, it's better to obey God than it is man. It's better to obey God than it is man. And as the pianist comes and everyone stands this morning, I want to encourage you today that if you're not saved by God's grace, whether you realize it or not, you're under the worst tyranny possible. You're under the tyranny of your sin. You're under the tyranny of Satan. And what I want to encourage you to do today, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to rebel against Satan this morning. I want to encourage you to turn your back on that sin. It's a sin that you're holding on to. It's a sin that you may hold dear, but if you would look at it closely, it's a sin that's destroying your life. If you're not saved, it's that sin of unbelief and rebellion that's going to keep you going straight to a place called hell. That Jesus died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to go there. And I want to encourage you today, rebel. Jesus will save you. Jesus will rescue you. Jesus will give you liberty. Do you know Christ today? If you don't, I encourage you to call on Him. Righteous rebellion. When is it right to rebel? It's right to rebel when God tells us clearly in His Word to do something and somebody else says we ought not.